Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse number uh, 1. Let's just start with number 1. And again, David gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people that were with him at Bethel of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubim. And they set the arks of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadad that was in Gilead. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadad, drave, drave the new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was at Giba, and accompanying, uh, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manners of instruments made of firm wood, even the harps and psalteries and timbrels and cornets and cymbals. And then when it came to the Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took a hold of it, for the ark oxen shook it. And if it's a companion verse of this in First Chronicles, it said that the oxen stumbled. And the, anger, and, the, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the, hand, the ark of God. And David was displeased before, because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called that name of that place Perez Uzzah unto this day. Let us pray. Father, we just come before you thanking for your mercy, grace, and love. Ask you to touch us, help us, and strengthen us, Lord. And give us the, the understanding your way is be the best way. And Father, just praise you for what you do. Empty myself and fill me with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Uh, tonight we're preaching out of this text, The Danger of Doing Things Your Way. Uh, this story stands as a dangerous warning, a, a dangerous reminder to all of us, doing things our way can end up like it did here in the text. They get to the place where David is basically doing things mostly correct. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. He got to the place where he's doing most things right. At this point, David has not slept with Bathsheba. Bathsheba. At this point, he had not killed Bathsheba's husband. At this point, he has not uh, sinned and numbered uh, the people of uh, Israel. Uh, David's life is pretty squeaky clean at this point. As far as we can tell, David is... Uh, uh, doing almost all things right in his life. He's doing things he should be doing. I, I'd imagine in David's mind, I'm doing everything right. But you know, there's one thing that really doesn't matter that I'm not doing necessarily obeying God's order in. I'm not doing it to the fine jot or tittle of the Word of God. This little thing is it's not necessary. It's not a big deal. Can I say when you get to the place in your life where you say, well, preacher, I'm doing most things right in my life. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing everything that I ought to be doing. I'm not running around on my wife or my spouse, my husband. I'm not drinking liquor. I'm not doing all these things. I'm doing everything pretty much real right. But I'm not interested in the things that you are doing right tonight. I'm interested in that one thing 
that you know about, that God knows about, that's not pleasing to Him. It's not pleasing to Him. That one little thing you say, I, I know I'm not obeying God in this area. Yes, it's that one little thing that has sometimes a, a small oversight that can lead to a lot of problems in your life. If you're not careful, you say, Preacher, what are they doing wrong here? What is David doing wrong? How is he doing things his way? Well, it's not the way of God told them to carry the ark of God. You understand, right? The Bible said the way of the ark uh, was to be carried back in the book of Numbers. It was to be carried by the sons of Korath with staves run through it and they bared the weight of the sh on their shoulders. But when it comes to 1 Samuel, if you read the book of 1 Samuel, the book before this book, this is the way the Philistines carried it the first time when they captured the Ark of the Covenant. They were the ones that originated putting the Ark on the carts. And essentially David is doing it the way the Philistines were doing it. Uh, doing their method the way the Philistines did it. David has started doing things not the way the Word of God said to do it, but the way the world started doing it. Listen, listen to me. It's a dangerous place in your life where you start doing things your way and not according to the way the way of the God, Word of God says to do it. But the way you see the world doing things, that's the way you start doing it. I'm going to church. I'm reading the Bible. I'm doing almost all things right. But in this area of my life, I'm not going to do it like what the Bible says to do it. I'm, not, I'm just going to do it like everybody else in the world is going to do it. Yeah, that can be very costly. The side effects, if you're, if you're not careful, this is what I'm about to tell, tell you, it's imperative for a leader like David to follow the Word of God. Why, why is that? Because it could cost not just him, and we see in this story here, it, it didn't cost David, but it cost somebody else because David was not doing the way God said to do it. David was doing the way that somebody else had done it, and it cost Uzzah his life. And I tell you, parents, it's imperative that you, as the leader of their homes, do what God has said to do. It's imperative each parent to be exactly what God has called you to be. To do what God said to do. Not the way you think it ought to be done, but the way God said it ought to be. These young people, it's imperative for you young people because people see you at school. They look at you at school and you're setting the example and they're looking at you. It's imperative that you do exactly what the Word of God says to do. You are an example for them. And if you're living an example life for them, just like your mom and daddy lived an example life for you, to set forth and doing the things of God. Because always going to be somebody behind you. If you're not doing it according to the word of God, there's always going to be somebody behind you that you may mess them up in their walk with God, in their walk in life. If you don't do what the Lord said to do, it's imperative for you to keep your testimony right. It's imperative for you to keep your words right. 
your talk right, your walk right, your speech right. It's imperative for you to be keep what God said to do. And David's not the one I want to key in on tonight, though. It's enough on David. It's all about David then. But I want to look at Uzzah. He's not mentioned many times in the Bible here and then in the uh, companion verses in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. I thought to myself, it seems like that was not such a big deal. For the Lord had to kill him for that. I'm sure Uzzah was a good fellow. I'm sure he was a hard-working man. I'm sure he, was, he had something to do with the things of God for him to be at the point that he is at right now. I looked at this in verse number 7, and it said the Lord killed him for his error. I thought, what kind of error could be so bad that all he did was reach out and touch something? In my mind, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal for God to kill this man, but, it, it, but we see it's a different way than when God sees things. We look at it in different ways, the way God looked in the ways. We say that's not a big deal. That's just a little dab. That's, no, that's nothing big there. But God sees it a whole different way. A whole different mindset than we see it. Let me give you three quick things and we'll go home tonight. On Uzzah, doing things your way. He, he tried to help God. Verse number six. And when they came to Nacon's threshing hole, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and, and touched hold of it, for the oxen shook it. I, I see Uzzah, he's, this, he's, he's following along uh, this ark, and all of a sudden he sees it start shaking. You've done that before. You've seen things start to look like they're going to fall, and you're reaching out. You're trying to stabilize it. You're trying to make sure it doesn't fall. I see Uzzah doing the same thing. He's falling alongside his cart and it shakes. He, Autumn, it's instinct to reach out and grab something to try to stabilize that. He was trying to keep it from falling. But it shook enough that it worried him. And all of a sudden, Uzzah's mind, I need to help this situation. It, this situation needs my direct assistance. I must reach out and grab a hold of this. Get this situation under control. There's just one problem with that. If you go back to Numbers chapter 4, verse 15, And when Aaron and his sons had made the end of the covering of the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary, as a camp to set forth, and that after that the sons of Koath have come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. Amen. Listen to me. At the end of the day, God does not need my help. God does not need your help. He does, he's all He requires from you and I is our obedience. There's not any person in here that God needs your help from. God doesn't need your help. God needs your obedience. God is not looking for anybody to start stepping out of the bounds of what God has already said in His Word, stepping outside the realm and saying, I, I'll, I'll do a, a freelance and just doing the things that I think God wants me to do. 
I feel this situation requires me to step outside of the Word of God and handle it my way. That's not what God is looking for. God will take care of things. God says, I need your obedience. He said, do not touch this holy thing unless thy shall die. As a child of God, there is never a situation, there is never a circumstances that requires you to step outside the bounds of what God has already precept. God doesn't need you to start rewriting the Word of God. We see they doing that today. God doesn't need you to try to set up a new form of worship. We see that today. God doesn't need you to try to have a new form of salvation. We see that today. God doesn't require you to do all those things. God requires you to be obedient this morning. God don't want you to come up with some new Christianity. Thinking that you know better more than God. You know how to move things along. No, no. All God needs for you is what he's always previously told you to do. This is the way. And walk ye in that way. God doesn't need a new way. He doesn't need a new way of talk. A new, how, a new way on how to live. New way on how to dress, new way how to act. God has already told us how to talk. God has always told us how to act. God has already told us how we ought to dress. God's already told in the music you should be listened to. God has already set those things in the Word of God, and He doesn't need you to be setting anything new in it. Just follow the, what God has said. Mom, in your infant wisdom on how to run a house, God, household, God does not need your help in straightening out your husband. Stepping outside the, the Bible bottle and taking over. God needs you to be uh, that submissive warning that God has called you to be. Having that ornament of meek and quietness of spirit about you. Father, God has not called you to be a tyrant. God has not called you to be a dictator and step outside the will of God and the ways of God. He needs you to be that representation of Jesus Christ as the head of the home. And lead your family in the right way of God. He doesn't need you to do something on your own. He just needs you to follow, trust, and obey Him this morning. He doesn't need your help. He needs your obedience. What in the world make us think God needed His help? Why, why would He think God needed His help? The Philistines captured the ark of God. You know the story. Israel got it back, but Israel didn't get it back by themselves. Israel didn't go and get the ark back. God gave them the ark back. 1 Samuel chapter 5. The Philistines put the ark of God in the house of their pagan god. Dagon. And they left it there that night and they come back in and Dagon fell over on his face at the, at the Ark of Covenant of God. And they stood it back up and said, he must have stumbled. He must have stumbled. They put him there that time, put him back up and they come back the next day. He's done fell over again and his palms, his hands cut off and his neck's brought off. And they said, hey, there's something wrong here. This ain't right. 
He had fallen his head and both his palms, his hands, arms are off. And you think that was bad enough? No. What, what do you think God sensed then? God sensing stuff on him. God, God said, I, I, I'll get the ark of God back. I, I'll get it out of my own. I don't need you. I don't need your help. I don't, I, I've got things under control. I can do this on my own. God doesn't need you to do anything else. He, he sends a plague of mice. They devour the vegetables, the fly, the uh, harvest and all. They devour all that. And you think, well, hell, now their Dagon is all messed up, broken up, and now the mice is done eating the food. They ain't gotta, you think that's pretty bad. No, it even gets worse. The Bible says it's got emrods. Don't everybody know what that is? Amen. Every one of us probably had them. We call them hemorrhoids. God, can you imagine these people? Their God that they believe in has fallen down before the ark of God, busted up, uh, and the mice just come and overrun, and, they, and then had to get up and walk. Oh, oh, oh. I imagine about that time they said, hey, there's something wrong here. There is something right, not, there's something wrong here. God did not need their help. God did not need Uzzah's help. He did not need Israel's help. In fact, God said, you know what, to the Philistines, why don't you just put the ark on the cart and tell the oxen to go, and I'll direct the oxen to go where they needs to go. All God needs for us to be trusting Him. All he needed to say, Lord, I am trusting you. He doesn't need Uzzah's help. You know, Uzzah's just like you and I. You know what the name Uzzah means? It means strength. Uzzah basically said, I'm not waiting on the Lord. I'm not waiting for him to fix this situation. I'm going to apply my strength to it. I'm going to make it work. Yeah, it's going to get you killed. I found there's things in my life that I cannot apply my ability to. I cannot apply my reasoning to. I cannot do it my way. I have to step back. Whatever goes down, goes down. Lord, I'm just going to run in my lane, stay in my lane. I'm going to do what you've told me to do. I can't fix it. I can't fix that. I can't fix this. But Lord, I'm just going to stay in my lane. I'm just going to be obedient and do what you've told me to do. That, that's where I'm at. God doesn't need our help. He handled holy things carelessly. Do you know how holy this ark is? This is the holy, this is holy God. This is what God's presence at. When the, when the ark sat behind the uh, veil in the tabernacle, the glory of God sat on, on it. The blood of, the blood of atonement was a yearly base was on that. Aaron's rod that budded was on the inside of it. 
The tables of the testimony that Moses had broke was inside of that. Part of the manna was inside that. According to God, this is a holy thing. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Why did he feel so comfortable to carelessly reach out and grab a behold of something that is so incredibly holy without thought for it? Why would he do that? I think I found the answer in verse 3. They set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out to the house of Benadad. That was Gilgad. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Benadad, drave the new cart. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, it came and they, they fetched the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Benadad. And sanctified Elzenar, the son of Keith the Ark of God. They brought it to the house of uh, Abinadad. That was in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now don't, don't miss this. From 1 Samuel chapter 1 until 2 Samuel chapter 6, 50 years have passed. 50 years have passed. The ark of God has been in that man's house and Uzzah was one of those, his sons from knee high up. Uh, that ark, that box was sitting there in the house for 50 years. And, and you know how you tell your kids, don't touch that. As soon as you say, don't touch that, what are you doing? And, and, and they're small. I'm quite sure uh, uh, Uzzah had heard stories of the ark. I'm quite sure if you've heard stories of the power of the ark and God and displaying the presence of God on this ark. I'm quite sure he's heard all about that. But here the ark was been in his house since he was a wee little knee-high boy and he kept seeing it every day, every day, every day and it just did not have that much power in his life. He had gotten so accustomed of it being there. He got so familiar with it being there. And can I say this? Anytime you get so familiar with the things of God, the holy things of God, where it does not mean anything to you, look out. You're going to get yourself in some trouble. You'll wind up like us are dead because you just, I, it, I got so familiar because I've been around it all my life. I've seen it. I can imagine sometimes as he got older and older, he just dared himself to get closer. He's heard the stories. You can't touch that. That is the ark of God is holy. I, I just, I don't believe that he'll do that. I imagine every now and then his dad might catch him saying, hey, stay away from that boy. I've told you. But you know how kids, they just don't listen to mom and dad. He's constantly reaching out. Constantly. He got so familiar with the things of God. It's the same way with Christians today. They get so familiar with the songs that we sing. We sing with that victory in Jesus. How many times you've heard that? Well, I've heard that song so many times I sing it in my sleep. It just doesn't move me anymore. It doesn't thrill me anymore. I've gotten so familiar with that song that it just, it just doesn't do anything for me. 
I've sung the songs of the blood of Jesus Christ and I've sung it so many times and they don't do anything for me anymore. I don't have no joy or respect for them now. I've just sung it for so long. I've heard preaching all my life and it just doesn't move me anymore. That's where Christians are at today. They're so familiar with the things of God that it just doesn't move them anymore. You're getting so comfortable with the things of God. We get in such a routine of doing things for God and it just don't feel like it's that big of a deal. It doesn't have that much power. It doesn't have that much authority. God help us if we ever get to the place that we don't take the things of God seriously. The things of God. This is a holy thing. Preaching is a holy thing. Singing is a holy thing. And if God help us, we ever get to the point that it just gets so familiar with it, it does not move us anymore. Amen. Man, I, I still get how great they are. I still cheer up. Amen. I still get teared up. You start singing about the blood, I still get turned up. I think about what God has done for me. The danger of somebody's grown up in church all their life, and they've been around it all their life. And it doesn't move them anymore. This is holy stuff. I'm telling you, this is holy stuff. Singing is holy stuff. And maybe a Benadad didn't teach his boy. This is a holy thing. Don't touch. And treat it as such. This is a holy thing. Treat it as such. Can I say preaching is a holy thing? Treat it as such. Singing is a holy thing. Treat it as such. Coming to church is a holy thing. Treat it as such. This contemporary mindset today is nothing feels holy anymore. We got to the place where we dress down. I can go to the ball game on Saturday night and my blue jeans, holes in them and my t- t- shirt, pull over my shirt and go to church on Sunday morning stand in the pulpit with the exact same outfit on that I went to the ball game in. We're dressed down. Nothing is holy anymore. We got, oh man, we seen a video of Friday and this hits home. We've gotten where we start to share the same music in the church as the world has. Yeah. But brother, I'll show you a video when we get done preaching these doo-wop girls. We've gotten to that point today where we don't think there's no, 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 authority in the power of God and, and we do it, we dress it down that it doesn't move us anymore. We, we got the same music that the world has and I, I know some churches they'll start playing ACDC and Leonard Skinner before they start service. How in the world can you come to God and somebody's playing Highway to Hell? Yeah. Come on. No! Come on. We're losing it. We've lost it. There's no more authority of God in our life anymore. You better be careful that you don't get a little too close and comfortable to something. There's something about getting too close to holy things that it no longer carries weight or authority or power to your life. 
People used to come and sit in the pews and sit on the edge just, just looking and drink, wanting and trying to soak up everything and now they sit back and don't want nothing. Can't move them because they, they become so familiar with the preaching and singing. We've gotten so careless. God help us to rekindle that holiness in our life. There's a holy and righteous God watching, and I want to give him what is due to him. I, I believe he was in a hinder part of worship. What do you mean, a hinder part of worship? Not only did he try to help God out, he tried to he handled holy things carelessly. And remember when the two guys called out to drive their ark, Ahio and Uzzah? Uh, when we talk about driving this car, we're not talking like in the Western days to get on the buckboard and drive the chicken. That's, that's not the way it was driven then. It had two oxen in front of it, and you walked to the side, or you walked to the front with the oxen. The Bible says Ohio led the oxen. He was driving the cart. He's in front. In verse 4 it says, And they brought it out of the house of Benadad, which was in Gilbath, and accompanied the ark of God, Ahah, went before the ark. Where was Uzzah? Verse 5 it says, David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord. They, they were before the ark. That means they were playing before the cart. They were in front of the presence of the ark of God. Where was Uzzah? I, I believe Uzzah was in the rear watching what was going on. Instead of getting in on what was going on, I wonder myself, why ain't he in on this? Maybe he had been in on worship. Maybe they were worshiping. He, he, <laughs> I, got the, I got to think about this. Maybe he was in back and he was watching them worship and praising God and singing the Holy God. And maybe he says, I know who they are. I know what they've done. I, I, I know they're hypocrites. They're just putting on a show. They ain't for real. Maybe Uzzah was watching all them things and says, you know what, I cannot worship with those people because they are fakes and phonies. I can't worship with them. I'll just stay back here. Problem is, we got too many Christians sitting in the back now watching services, looking at everybody else instead of trying to get in on the service, trying to get in on the worship. We're too busy watching everybody else. I know what they did. I can't believe they in this church played. They've done, I know their lives. If you knew them like I knew them, you'd run them out of here. If you knew me like I know me, you'd run me out of here too. Amen. That's the problem is we see everybody in the old way. We're not seeing everybody the way God has changed, what God has done for them. God has brought you out of that darkness. God has put you in the light. We don't look at that. And we're too busy trying to watch everybody else instead of getting in on the worship. I, I see us back behind the curtain. They were up there. They just praising God, praising God for what was about to be doing. And those are sitting back there. Y'all fakes. We got them in church. 
We got him in church the same way we got him in church. He was more focused on, instead of getting in on the worship, he was more focused on something that was stumbling, something that was rocking him, something getting out of place. Instead of keeping his eyes on the one thing that could keep him in place, to keep it in place, God, this is your ark. This is your business. That, that's, that, that's your property, God. God, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to stand up in front and give it, say glory to God, bless the name of the Lord. I, I'm not going to worry about it. You've got it. It's yours. If it rocks, you'll stable it. You're going to take care of it because you said you were. Because you said, I cannot touch that holy thing. God would not have let it fall. God is not going to let something he's ordained fall. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about the stuff behind me anymore. I, I'm going to keep going forward. Keeping my eyes in front. I'm not going to look back here. I'm not going to look at things rocking and shaking and stumbling back here. I'm not going to look. I'm just going to keep going forward for the Lord. Forgetting those things which are behind me, reaching for those things that are before me, pressing towards the mark of the prize of calling of God. Too many Christians will just stand back and focus on Christian stumbling or that Christian that's tilting one way or the other, teeter tottering. Maybe you would enjoy church more if you just got involved with worship. If you're trying to focus in on the things that are stumbling, rocking, you'll lose your joy. Just get up and say, Lord, I want to praise you. If you're looking for some fault to find somebody stumbling, we're out of place, it will not take you long in this church. Can I say this church ain't a perfect church? Can I say ain't nobody in here perfect? And if you're looking for a perfect church, when you find it, please do not join it because you will mess it up. We're not perfect. We're not striving to be perfect. We're serving the perfect one. I'm not going to worry about things. First Chronicles 15. If... if <laughs> If we do think God's way instead of our way, there's results from doing it God's way. First Chronicle 15, it, it said that God helped the Levites that bared the ark. Doing it God's way brought help from God. Anytime you start doing it God's way, God's going to give you you start doing things your way, listen to me, you start doing things your way, God's going to step back and say, let's just see how far you can get. Because I can tell you right now, you can't make it from one day to the next day without God's help. I, I can't even walk without Him holding my hand. How true that song is. 
But when you start doing it your way and say, Lord, I, I, I'm strong. My name is, I'm strength. I got strength. I'm able to do that. But you don't know you're not supposed to touch the holy things. But yet you got so comfortable with it that you reached out, touched, and died. If you're not careful, you get so comfortable, so familiar that it no longer has a power and authority in your life. You're going to reach out and touch it. It's going to mess your life up. It's going to mess your life up. I've seen it happen plenty of times before. God help us if we ever get so familiar with the songs that we sing. Say, well, they don't move me no more. God help us if we ever hear preaching and it doesn't move us anymore. God help us. Because we've gotten so familiar with the things of God. We got so comfortable that it, we just reach out and grab the holy things. It doesn't mean anything to us anymore. God help us. God help us. There is.